Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything, number 261. On today's show, we are talking college football. We're doing the playoff recap. We will be doing the bowl recap eventually after all the bowls are done. Uh, But we also are going to preview the national championship game. We're going to talk coaching, hiring, and firings and whatnot. We, We thought we might be done. We were incorrect. So we'll talk about all that and more. The show is brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi, the South's premier sports gambling destination. They've got six incredible sports books. Head over to tunicatravel.com for more information. You can also find more information about us at winningcureseverything.com. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. Yeah, I feel like I should have done that first. Maybe. Maybe so. Either way, you can follow us on uh, social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, you can also subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash everything. Let's quit wasting time. Let's jump into it. All right, the, uh, the college football playoff recap is brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi, South's premier sports gambling destination. You can find more information on all of their sports books over at tunicatravel.com. Let's jump into it. Um, Notre Dame got absolutely housed. We'll we'll go on and jump into that. Alabama wins forty five to thirty four over Oklahoma. Uh, Clemson beats Notre Dame thirty to three. Uh, I mean, look, you and I were both dead wrong on Notre Dame. Yeah, I and and when you look at the game and you look at how Ian Book played and whatnot, I I thought we both thought that. Notre Dame was better equipped to be able to hang in this game. That's right. I thought st- stylistically their offense should have been able to dink and dunk and and get short yardage plays, take time off the clock, keep Clemson's offense on the other side, uh, and take away that massive pass rush because they're not going down the field. It's almost as if Notre Dame said, no, we're going to go at what Clemson is good at. Yeah, it Instead of seem... attacking what Clemson might have as a weakness. But they, they don't have a power back. They don't have, like, a, a big-time running back. And they haven't all year. Like, no, Williams but you don't, have to, you don't have to in, in big-time college football anymore. No, no, you don't at all. It, now, Dan Wolken tweeted and said that Ian Book is just not good. And I don't know that he's not good. I, I think he is completely and totally serviceable, right? I think I, – I wonder watching the game – or I wondered, I still wonder, um, was the moment too big for Book? No, nah, I don't believe that. I mean, I, I think Clemson – I think the game plan for Notre Dame was was just bad. Trying to take deep passes that take a long time for routes to develop is just not smart against Clemson's front yeah that's just not smart that's not books call book, now they, this now, is not the nfl where where a star quarterback calls the plays in the huddle on the, here, on the okay? other side on the other side of this uh book did have some open receivers that he just missed he missed but when you're getting pressured the way he was getting pressure yeah, no, you're right that's not i mean i've always believed that you all you build a team from the line forward oh, and yeah. if i and if you told me you have to scrap one position and just be bad at it what would it be even in the day of throwing, I would scrap secondary. If I have to scrap one, I would scrap it because a great pass rush can mitigate any secondary flaws you have. Yeah. Now, Clemson doesn't have many secondary flaws. Guys did get open, but it doesn't matter. If Book is on his butt, he can't hit them. Yeah. Now, you're, you're right so about that. that. I, I And maybe I'm giving him too much of a pass. I was not 
unimpressed with Book at all. I don't blame him for the the lack of of the offense being able to move. Um, I, I think the the game plan was bad, and I think Clemson executed flawlessly. Yeah. I I, mean, I don't think they did anything to try to help book in any way. Now he made mistakes, but that's what's going to happen when you get pressured and hit and pressured and hit and pressured and hit. Nobody stays calm and cool in those situations. Now you're right. I mean, at the greatest level, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you pressure and hit those guys, they make mistakes also, and they're the oh, best yeah. to ever play the game. Well, and it's you're talking about a, a the pressure. Kid, the pressure got ramped kid. up early on in the like not early on but in the second quarter right so it was still a a game and and everything was fine and now we we obviously can't get away from the fact that there were four reviews that all went in Clemson's favor um and that's not to say that they shouldn't have because if you go back and look at the film like obviously all right but you you figure Notre Dame gets at least one of those. Yep. They can at least buy a touchdown somewhere. That's right. And they could get nothing going and I was I was really shocked that they I mean they're I thought their defense played fairly well. Uh, no, I think they did too. At some point in time you just get gassed. Yeah, I mean they just could not the, the offense couldn't stay on the field. Absolutely. And the defense is not deep enough. Well, nobody's to, defense is. No, 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 not at all. Um, but it just uh, – some of the catches that the Clemson receivers were making, Trevor Lawrence played a really good ball game. Yep. Really good ball game. He is – everything that everybody has said that he is. Uh, and we saw it against lesser competition. I but think this says more about get, Clemson maybe than it does about Notre Dame. Totally. Completely agree with that. It is impossible, and maybe all the Clemson fans out there, congratulations, you've got a great team and you've got a great quarterback. But but I, forgive me if I don't believe in what I see when I see you beat the hell out of this year's Florida State team and Louisville and Pitt. Yeah. And these, like, I just don't care. Yeah, I, I don't care that you blew those teams out. Because I think with lesser talent that you have, if you put Ian Book on that team, I think Clemson still blows those teams out. Yeah. Like if you swap offensive talent, they still blow them out because they're bad teams. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean it's we saw Pitt get beat what 51 to 6 by Penn State. Yeah. And and Penn State is good, but we don't put them in the same class as Clemson, so it, it's like And eh. Notre Dame played Pitt close. And and but, uh, but so that's same, why I never look at like at, I never compare I don't games I, because it's all completely circumstantial. That's it. Well, right? and you don't know what the other team is trying to do. If you're if you got some injuries and once you have a team in a game in hand, you're starting to sub guys in and you're not worried about blowing anybody. You don't care about style yeah. points. One one of the things the playoff was supposed to do was get rid of style points. Yeah. And and it hasn't. It hasn't. It hasn't at all. Uh, let's talk about Oklahoma and Alabama. Alabama jumps out twenty-eight to nothing lead. Uh, this killed the ratings, by the way. Yep. Uh, which you would assume it will. Uh, neither one of these games had as many viewers as the SEC championship game. But now it is that have. is that because of the the games themselves? Yes. Is it because of it, is it? Is, I think it's a combination. It's, it's, I think it's. I think it's the date on on which the game happened. December 29th is not a usual big time I, college football day. I don't know that that matters, um, Gary. I don't know that anybody cares. I, I think at all. It's a Saturday, 
and we're watching football. It's what we yeah. were bred to do is watch football on Saturdays. So I don't think it matters at all the date. I think it was I, just the I think the games. quality of entertainment was bad. Yeah, because at second quarter, Clemson is up, what, 23-3? to Yep, ball game. And that's ball game. Alabama's up 28 to nothing, and they're up 31-10 to at the half. And Saban is what? What did it say, like 104-1? and I mean, that, But that's that. After being up by 21? Like it, yeah, how I'm, many, I'm with you. How many coaches have losing records with that? Like, how many coaches don't have a record? No, I, I'm with you. Now, most of them don't have a hundred opportunities to do that. But they, but of course, ESPN showing that, you know, going into halftime, it's like it's bad. Oh, so you're saying that there's no chance? Yeah. We, so why are we watching this? Then, then we don't need to watch anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, Lincoln Riley. I think showed well. In this game, I didn't like. I didn't like the two field goals. I thought when you're when you when they're when they have 28 points and you have nothing, and you settle for two field goals when you have that kind of offensive explosion, you have to score touchdowns. You yeah. have to know that this field goal is worthless. It helped them cover. Yeah, the two field goals absolutely helped them cover the bet. But other than that, they did nothing. Now, if they convert those two into touchdowns. If they could just get one of the touchdowns, the if they get two touchdowns and the score stays the same, they win the game. Yeah. Now, Alabama obviously is going to play differently if they score those two touchdowns. But if you score one of those touchdowns, I mean, you're talking about a crazy close game. Yeah. And it's anybody's ball game then. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I agree. do think that Lincoln Riley had a had a had a good game, but he but he made two crazy conservative calls. I just guess on those field goals, little, early, just being a little afraid. Early in the game, Alabama was obviously. Uh, they they had Oklahoma's offense read. They yeah. they had understood what it was and and Kyler like to his credit adjusted well. Realized, all right, I'm gonna have to get out of the pocket. We're gonna have to call plays that that make me get out of the pocket quickly. Um, it was it was really funny early on. One of the first two drives. Kirk Herbstreet starts talking about, and you and I talked about this before, how Oklahoma's offense gets the ball out in like one and a half, yeah, two seconds. You can't, you can't pressure them. They, Alabama got to the quarterback in like 2.9 seconds, and Herbstreet is going, you held on to the ball too long. Yeah. and Less than three seconds. I'm like, less than enough. three seconds, and, and they're already on him, and he was making inaccurate throws, and et cetera, et cetera. So it, it was interesting. I think Kyler showed... NFL scouts like okay he's explosive he can make plays and whatnot but this dude is like probably five foot eight and it hurt him in this spot like he he made some incredible plays incredible throws but I think it did hurt him I think I think after that game it was crystal clear he's off to play baseball yeah I I mean that's what I would do oh yeah that's absolutely what I would do um would we have gotten – I know that we've gone back and forth about Georgia and, and whatnot. We might if, have gotten a better we, – we definitely would have gotten a better game had Georgia played either of these teams. Yeah. But I've seen Georgia play Alabama twice. Yeah. I know how that. that game ends. I, the chances that you believe Georgia is going to play a, another perfect game to start the game – Get a yeah. big lead on Alabama when nobody's done it in two well, years. Alabama, but Georgia. just look at Clemson. Well, the the like, Alabama and Clemson are pretty damn equal right yeah. now. So the the odds of them doing it a third time and then not blowing that lead, I just don't understand why they think 
that we're going to get a different result. Now we would have gotten a better game. No yeah. question, we would have gotten a better game because that's a that's a legit power team. Yeah, that can play with anybody. I just don't think we would have gotten an outcome that's any different. No, I'm I'm with you. Uh, most impressive player from either of these games. Who who would you go with? Trevor. Trevor. Yep. Uh, you're probably right. He was yep. he was lights out. No, I, uh, I, I think you. If it's if it wasn't him. Then, um, oh my God! I would go like I think my, Tua did really well. I, I like is, Josh Jacobs from Alabama. My my, uh, oh God! I, oh my gosh! For who? The running back for Clemson. Um, oh, Travis Etienne. Etienne, yeah. That that's he would be the other one. I mean, yeah. when oh he's when he they is super fast when it's ready to ice a game. That's yeah. the one thing that they have the ability to wear if they want to not get Trevor hurt. If if he's ever getting pressure, which he didn't get pressured a lot, but but they do have the luxury of saying yeah. we got a dude we can just say here, and that guy he can ice a game by getting you four or five yards of touch, and if you miss one tackle, he's gone. It's over. He is so. It's over, fast. and there's nobody. There's nobody in the building. The play, him. the play where he was running away from that Notre Dame defense was unbelievable. I had to go back and rewind and, and watch it. And a I know times. people. And listen, we're SEC guys. SEC has always been built on the best athletes play defense. Man, I watched a lot of SEC football. I don't know anybody on the SEC that he's not running away from either. Oh, I agree. So I agree. Like a but lot I, of people you, are using that video to crap on Notre Dame. And, oh, they don't belong. They don't belong because of this. Look, no, man, no, they, no, they ain't they a whole lot of people in the world that are catching him. No, I agree much, with you. Much less playing college football. I, I agree with so you. Let's, uh, let's Josh Jacobs, careful. I thought, was was really impressive. Uh, but he has been all year. He's a junior. I think he could go in the NFL draft. He is perfect for NFL offenses now as a running back. Like obviously he wouldn't go high, yeah. But like, why hang out at Alabama for another year when you got Najee Harris in there? You've got other running backs that are coming in. They they got another five star in in uh, the, the number one running back in the country is coming in. That's right. If you're Josh Jacobs, you've had to play behind Damian Harris and had to play behind Najee Harris and whatnot. Like, go to the NFL. You were a three star that had a last minute offer from Alabama, and you are playing as much if not more than the seniors than than the guys that have been there. Yep. So you like he he got the SEC championship MVP, our offensive MVP, whatever. Um he is, like he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He is did you see him crush that Oklahoma defender running into the end zone? No, I didn't watch I didn't watch much of that game. Okay. Game. Here's I mean, the it deal. Was, it was a pretty bad game to watch. And so this was I want to say it was like the second or third touchdown and the Oklahoma safety is set up on like the four yard line and Jacobs rather than like try and dodge him or anything lowers his shoulder and just mashes this kid and it either a hamstring injury or something his knee buckled because he was set to make the tackle and Jacobs just ran over him this kid is like five foot nine five ten and weighs like 180 pounds and he is just a workhorse uh, but he he's perfect for NFL offenses. I think he's probably on after this year because if you're a three-star and you are making that kind of headway and you find out that you are built for the NFL, it's time to get. Yep. It's time to go on and go. Um, anything else we need to touch on these? I think we're good on it. 
that's uh that's our college football playoff recap College Football National Championship Preview brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi, the South's premier sports gambling destination. Uh, are we going to make gambling picks on this? I mean, we, we can kind of give a lean at least, or, or if we feel strong about it, we'll just go and give it right now. Uh, Alabama, Clemson, 14-0 each. Both are 8-6 and six against the spread. Clemson covered against Notre Dame. Alabama did not cover the 14 against Oklahoma. Opening line is 6, and that's pretty much everywhere. I mean, that's every every odd that you can find, every book, everywhere. It's got Alabama minus six. I got it at six um, and a half yesterday. Uh, that's it, Wait, was it yesterday? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, okay. That's when I saw it. That's when I made it. As of uh, as of today, it is six. We are recording this on, on New Monday, Year's New Year's Eve. Eve. Uh, so we're, we're getting our partying done early. <laughs> it's still six and a half at my bookie. Okay. So, that, so my bookie's got six and a half. Uh, all of the... Uh, MGM and Caesars and all that, they've all got it at six. Uh, I think Bet Online has it at six. I don't know. It, so, everywhere on, on Vegas Insider, it is six across the board on there. So, uh, the odds actually came out at halftime of the Orange Bowl, and it had, the Westgate Superbook had it at six and a half early, and then by the end of the game, it was down to six. Interesting stat. Okay. Alabama and Clemson are 106 and four in games not against each other the last four seasons. Okay, is that ridiculous? Speaks to the world of college football. You and I went back and forth about this. I I think that this is incredibly impressive. I, I do not. And you you don't. I do not. I think I think I I said it before the season started that college football is going the way of the NBA, and I think it's worse than the NBA. Oh, as far as uh, it's predictable. It's the most predictable. It is the same teams, and all the rules are set to benefit the same teams over and over yeah, and over the, again. Yeah, the richest of the rich. That's right. Um, if, if you are an elite, you will stay an elite. And if you are not an elite, there is no breaking through. There's no chance. Uh, Bill Conley from SB Nation actually talked about this a little bit. He said this is the chalkiest year uh, the, the 2010s are setting up to be the chalkiest decade that there has been since, like, the 70s. I, if you're a fan of Alabama, you're a fan of Clemson, it's just like all the people that are Golden State Warrior fans. Like, that's great for you. It's not good for the rest of the There's sport. 130 schools out there. About five of them have a chance to win the national championship every year. Yeah. Outside of those five, you're just – playing a bunch of exhibition games. Yeah, and you're, you're trying to, to win Alabama like, or Clemson. You're trying to win rivalry games and try to make that be something special. You're trying to, you know, big win a big national TV game against an opponent you don't play often uh and 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 hang your hat on that being what what is special about the season. Yeah. But that's it. That's that's no, all it's I'm become. I don't think that's good for the sport. And that is not because I'm not a fan of one of these teams or either of these teams. It it is it is simply that I I like I'm I'm an NBA fan. I am a Celtics fan. I'm a Boston guy. My Celtics are one of the super teams. I still yeah. think it's bad for the league. Like, oh, it is. Like they're talking about getting Anthony Davis. Like I don't think that's good for the NBA. No. Uh, because you're, it, you're gonna have it, you, four you know, relevant teams and yeah. that's it. You've got four teams. Like, it, it's the Warriors right now, and, like, 
the Raptors and the Celtics, I guess. And the Raptors, we don't even know if they're going to hang around. But either way, off That's the it. off NBA. But we're we're like, it's the same thing. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's predictable. And you it's, know, it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, which Oklahoma, e- Clemson, even, even Ohio State and Oklahoma can't seem to get there That's right. every year. That's right. Which is, I mean, at Ohio State, even when they do make it to the college football playoff, like they haven't scored. No, I they, mean they, they won the first. They won one. the first one, but then since then, I mean they've gotten shut out. They like it's just. But like, hang on, let's time out for a minute. You literally just blah they blah over. Well, they won the first national championship, and since then they've done nothing. Like winning a national championship is something that used to happen once every twenty years for a school. Gary, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's not impressive. And the fact that they won one. And this is a team I hate, so you're making me talk good about Urban Meyer and, and well, no, Ohio but State. Like, Oregon like, was in that one, they, too. They won one. And they, Florida they State. They freaking won it. It's only been four years. They've only made one other playoff. They they can't keep getting back there. That's why I'm saying it's impressive what Alabama and Clemson are doing because all one the, loss the in the wrong are, spot. All the rules are set. No, uh, the one loss in the wrong spot. Alabama's had that one loss and, and so still got there. And so, and so, so Clemson. is Clemson and still got there. It's because other teams keep losing. Like, so at, that's, at some that's point, just not true. At some point over the last four seasons, somebody should have been able to knock these guys off other than each other. Why Why? Why should somebody have been able to do that? Because, because they, history are, on, dictates whoa, whoa. it. They, history they already, says. They already have the best players. Then this year they're going to get all the the more best players, and they already have the biggest budgets and the biggest coaching budgets and the best coaches, and and they're not losing those coaches. And if they do lose a coach, nobody's really worried about the guy they lost. So no, so I'm, why why should somebody else have taken their place, Gary? You can't win without talent. But, but it, you no, get no, the, no. you get I, the I best get the talent point. over and over and over again. How the hell hard is it to win when you've got it, all the it best? It sets players? you up to keep winning. I understand that, but. That's what I'm saying. Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Michigan, all these teams. Well, Georgia's been only doing it for two years. They they had top five, top ten classes every year under Rick. Every uh, year. No, the, go back and look. I, because top I, five, I, 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 don't, I, will, I will challenge you on that. Okay, show, me, can, show me Rick's top five classes we, in we the We will last go through decade. I'll put that in the comments, by the way. And and you leave your opinion on this in the comments. Tell us what because you think about a, this. Because there's a massive difference between top two, three, top top five, and top ten. There's a massive difference in talent on that. Agreed. And, and, and it's all LSU, my team. LSU is a number four recruiting class, or top five recruiting class in the SEC right now, in, in the nation right now. Which they're, is also top on, five in the hang on, SEC. Hang on. Yeah. They're, they're fourth in the SEC. They're third in the West. Yeah. What the hell does that help? Oh, they're a top five class. But it doesn't matter because they're not the people they have to play against are all better than them. They're and they're better than them now. But remember, and they're getting the kids for tomorrow to be better than them. Recruits don't always pan out. Like you know, that's the case, and it's about how you develop them. How you it, not every five star ends up being an NFL lottery pick, right? But when you're like, three deep at five star at every position, Gary, it doesn't matter if one doesn't pan out. I'm I understand, but LSU you literally A&M, you literally guys, don't you just don't get it. No, I do get it. The rules are set up to where if you're good, you're always going to be good. Ohio and State, other not, than this season, Ohio State has been a to... top five recruiting class every year. 
why were they not able to do the exact same thing that Clemson and Alabama have been able to do? Can't speak to that. See, Ur- that's, maybe that's Urban Meyer isn't as good as we think he is. No, I, and I still think he's fine. I think he's he plays in. I'm not going to say that it's a better league than or a better division than the SEC, but I I don't know how to make sense of it. I think that what Saban and Dabo are doing is extraordinarily um, uncommon. How's that? Okay. Because this is not normal. It is, it's impressive to me. It may not be impressive to you. It is definitely not the norm. This is not what happens. Like, you can have t- Nebraska would be dominant for a few years. USC, dominant for a few years. These same two teams at the same time for four straight years, that is... That's other level kind of stuff. And I understand because there's the recruiting back networks and all this. Like, Clemson's had that set up since the 80s. Auburn's got it set up. Oklahoma's got it set up. Texas. Like, it takes the right guy being in charge for all of it to actually pan out, right? So, either way, let's get into the game because we <laughs> we went way off, way off kilter on that one. Uh it's minus six, Alabama, opening line. The over-under is 59-and-a-half. Clemson has won, has gone over six times and under seven times. Alabama has gone over nine times and under five times. Let's dig into a few of the numbers. Points per game, Alabama 47.7. That's number two in the country. Clemson 44.3. That's number four in the country. Defensive points per game. Clemson 12.9, that is number two in the country. Alabama 16.2, that's number seven. Yards per play. Alabama 7.89, that's second, only behind Oklahoma. Clemson 7.33, that's number three, right behind Alabama. Defensive yards per play. Clemson's number one in the country. 4.05 yards per play. Alabama's number 15, 4.70. Turnover margin. Alabama plus eight, Clemson plus five. Uh, that's number eighteen and number thirty-two, respectively. Uh, strength of schedule: Alabama is number two, Clemson is number twelve. Which I I wonder if maybe some of the numbers are built around that. Uh, offensive rushing yards per attempt: Clemson six point seven is number one in the country. Alabama five point three. That's number eighteen. Defensive rushing yards per attempt: two point four for Clemson. That's number one in the country. Alabama 3.47, that's number 18. Offensive passing yards per attempt, 8.1 for Clemson, number 27. 11.3 for Bama, that's number one. And defensive passing yards per attempt, 6.2 for Clemson, that's number 21 in the country, 6.1 for Alabama, that's number 19. Uh, Clemson can run the ball and stop the run. Uh, I'm going to give you my pick. The metrics say Alabama uh, minus like three, and not all of the, the different things have been put together because I'm doing this on Monday morning. Um, But I'm going to take Clemson with the points here. I'm taking Clemson with the points. So, and and I wonder... It's too many. Six is just too... And I think a lot of it has to do with... Like like I said, I already took it already. Yeah, Alabama is the... uh, It's name, right? It's it's the big name. Uh, I think... I am so curious about the TV ratings on this. Like, I know this has nothing to do with the game, 
But I wonder what the interest is nationally in a fourth consecutive. It will be a great game if they were wearing different jerseys and we could hear them talk about different. Because so much of watching a football game is hearing them talk about the teams. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, and all of the background on the teams and the coaches and all this stuff. Being a being a Pats fan. After the last, I mean, they've been to nine Super Bowls in 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 my in, in, in well, I guess in the last 17, 18 years, and now I don't watch the pregame stuff nearly as much as I used to. Yeah, why? Because they're talking about the same coaches. Because while the coordinators change quite a bit, all the, about all the rest the is twenty all, years. But but all the rest of the guys around Belichick, yeah, they've all been there, and yeah. they've been there for a long time. Like the the OC and the DC that come and go those guys don't take coaches with them um and so it's i i know the background i know all of the story behind all these guys it's the exact same thing here i'm going to be interested in the fact that they're really good teams and this should be a great matchup outside of the play on the field i'm i'm not I'm not going to need to hear anyone talk about anything about either of these teams because we know everything about them. Yeah. They're 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 going to just rehash the same things that they've said the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, and obviously you got Trevor Lawrence this year. You got Tua. Like, both are, are first-time starters this season. But we've heard about them all season. But we've season. heard about them for, forever, even when they were high school uh, seniors. Like, it's it, we knew where they were going, and we already knew all about them. I mean, before Tua even stepped foot on campus, I was telling you that he was going to be the starting quarterback. Like, that's been, what, three seasons ago, two seasons ago? Uh, I mean, we, we already know everything about these teams, which I wonder if it is we, – we've heard of Bama fatigue. I wonder how much of Clemson fatigue there is. I'm sure and, there's plenty. Like I said, and so, college so going football to fans the games, are made up of 130 teams. Yeah and, yeah. and we have two pumped down our throat. Every year at this time. This is the first year that we have had the college football playoff national championship in uh, the Bay Area, right? So it's in San Jose, right outside so of San Francisco. So now you're asking these two teams from the South to fly all the way to San Francisco. That's what I'm – That's it, so at least – so Alabama For and the Orange Bowl – fourth national championship yeah, in four years. In the Orange Bowl, Alabama hasn't played Oklahoma in, in several years. They played them in the Sugar Bowl, but, you know, different stakes, different whatever. Um, but – in Miami or in in just Florida, period. Yeah. Alabama's alumni base is pretty deep, so that that's why they were seventy thirty Alabama to Oklahoma fans there. Uh, it's not always the case with that. Like even if you go to Atlanta, it's going to be like seventy thirty Georgia. You know, it's it's whatever. Um, in Dallas, it was seventy thirty Notre Dame fans. Like, and this is this was data compiled by Vivid Seats and yeah. StubHub and whatever. I have I don't know what the alumni base is for Clemson or Alabama in San Francisco. I'm gonna bet it's pretty small. So I'm wondering if they've just got a bunch of empty seats, and I don't know that the numbers are. I mean, it's a Monday night football game. Obviously, the numbers are always going to be you know 16, 17 million. Oh, it'll be a massive number on TV. But, but last year, Alabama Georgia was thirty something million because of how good the game was. So I wonder if it was somehow Oklahoma. Notre Dame, or if it was won. Alabama, Notre Dame, nope. or no, or I want to see that again. I'm telling you, yeah, if you probably... Oklahoma and Notre Dame had pulled off upsets, 
I would say that this would have been one of the biggest rated national championships you could have ever gotten because you yeah. got two fresh teams that we haven't seen in there in a long, long time. They just beat two powerhouses, the two bullies on the block, and and they both have extremely large national fan bases. Yeah. No, you're right. And I mean, Notre Dame would sell the thing out because, I mean, they've played like five times in the state of California this year. I mean, yeah. it's – they got fans out there. Oh, they got fans everywhere. Um, so it, it's just one of those things where, you know, the number will be big because it's Monday Night Football and it's a national championship and it should be a great game. I don't know that the story is interesting to anybody. No, and I don't know how many – my grandmother will be there. Like, she goes to every national championship game, every Alabama game, whatever. Uh, but she told me at Christmas that, hey, like if we win Saturday, I'm – I'm flying out next Friday. I said, good gracious. Like, are you sure you want to go all the way out there? That's a long flight and everything else. But I will admit this. It's a beautiful place out there. Like, it's a, there's a lot of concrete. But but the area, like Palo Alto, all that, because you're you're 15 minutes from Stanford yep. out there. And Levi Stadium is – so I, I went and visited Levi Stadium last summer. Beautiful place. Great stadium. Looks awesome. Don't know how many people are going to care enough to go. That's an expensive ticket. That is a long plane flight. After you've been buying them for the last decade. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, four straight years playing the same team. I don't know how much people care. College football, we got to fix something. Faux show. All right, that's our our Alabama Clemson preview. We're going to talk college football, coaching, hiring, firing, all the changes and whatnot. And and there's some interesting stories, so we want to do a a short segment on it. It's brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi. Head over to tunicatravel.com to get more information on all of their six incredible sports books. Uh, You can find more information on us at winningcureseverything.com. If you're watching on YouTube, leave some comments. Hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you guys joining us. Mark Richt. Resigned after a beatdown, and and like I said before, we will do a bowl recap, and and discuss all of them and whatnot. It whether it's two seconds or a few minutes, um, but I mean thirty five to three lost to Wisconsin, and so Manny Diaz goes to Temple. He's already signed the contract. Rick resigns or retires, and Miami pays the $4 million buyout to Temple to bring Diaz back. I wonder this about Mark Richt. Do you think that Miami went to him and said, hey, so defense is not our problem. We're good on that, but we think you might need to make some changes with your offensive staff. And he's got some family members and some close friends and whatnot that are coaching with him on offense. Always a bad deal. So it's just always bad. I wonder if if he just said, you know what, screw it, like I'm I'm done. I'm gonna retire. I'm 58. I don't need this crap anymore. I've made millions of dollars. I would rather be at home playing with my dog, hanging out with my wife. Is that kind of what you feel like went down here? I mean, I don't, I don't know if they asked him to make changes, and he just. I mean, there just could just be just a lack of desire to want to do it. They might not have asked him to do anything, and he just woke up. Sunday, uh, yeah, Sunday morning, and just said, "I don't want to do this anymore." 
I'm going to tell you this. I mean, he's I, only 58 years man, old. Man, like, you say it's strange. I mean, that is like oh, I, that's older than Bob Stoops. I think we've had this conversation over and over again. Mark Richt is a is a man of seemingly great character. Yeah. Okay? He now I never want to assume anybody is perfect, um, but 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 the persona that he puts out there and that you see and everything that you've seen for over a decade, long period of time, is that he he is a man of great character. We know how the sausage is made in college football. I think at some point in time for guys like that, if if, if that is your strong moral fiber, at some point in time it just becomes really hard to swallow the pills that you have to swallow. Turn the blind eye to the things that you have to turn the blind eye to to compete at the level you have to compete at. And Miami wants to compete at that level, and I don't think Mark Richt is willing to do it. I think that's I think that is a number one reason why he was fired at Georgia. I could believe that. I think it was strictly not it had nothing to do with his record, had nothing to do with anything. I think Georgia wanted to go to that next level of recruiting and he wasn't willing to do it. I you know what? I could 100% buy that. Because we know the shady underbelly. We we are connected enough and have enough people that we know in our lives to know how dirty some of this stuff can get. And I think for for guys that that try to live this real true he is a Christian in an in, in honorable life. I think I think college sports is almost impossible for you to do that without compromising your integrity. At, at least at the highest level. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think, man, I even think at some of the lower levels, you've got to compromise at some point. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to say breaking a rule is breaking a rule. Well, I mean, you and I. Then breaking a rule. You and they're, I they're live all in a town where all the, breaking rules. the high school was recruiting players and got busted in high school high school school. olive branch high school owns rental properties in olive branch yeah to give families to get them to come from memphis or wherever to to come and play for the football team or at least they used to they don't anymore because they got busted and i mean we'll see okay um okay they didn't sell those houses so uh Speaking of that next level, here's a, a team that, that was at that next level and now is not. Uh, Ole Miss hires Rich Rodriguez as offensive coordinator, and they, they hired Mike McIntyre as defensive coordinator. So former Arizona head coach, former Colorado head coach, both elected to join Matt Luke's staff, and Luke, after his first actual year, was already on the hot seat. Correct. Help me make sense of this. Why do you join this if you feel like there's there's two there's two situations here. First, I love the hire by Matt Luke and Ole Miss. Both of these. I, oh, you, I think both of these are great hires. And you get people. I just with don't know how they did real it. real head coaching. They threw money at them because nobody else was hiring these guys. Uh, both of them do have it's some weird stuff in their past. Like it not not like far past. Like, Rich Rod was accused of sexual assault. Yeah, Rich Rod's got the walking around his office in his underwear kind of thing that's yeah. a little strange. And then uh, uh, McIntyre, like, helped cover up domestic abuse by one of his assistant coaches, and what, yeah, so that got, became a big deal. Some, some issues. So they, they, yeah. no, it's not like anybody else was offering him jobs, okay? So on, on the surface of just a football-related situation, this is about as good as Ole Miss is going to get. Oh, you're right about you, that. You got two guys – 
one of the teams that I like to follow in the NFL is the Vikings, and, and they did what I think is really smart. Saban has been doing this for a long time. He surrounds himself with like 80% of the Vikings coaching staff at one point in time were all former head coaches that they got yeah. fired. I, I think that these guys, if they could coach at the highest level and we just drop them down a level, take a little bit of responsibility off of them, some of those guys are exceptional at what they do. So, A, I think great for Ole Miss. Big, big, big-time hires. This is Matt Luke and the Ole Miss administration say, we're going all in. We're giving you everything you can do. Luke, if you can't win with this setup, I don't I don't know how to help you. Yeah. Okay? Now, why You definitely did, don't have guys that are underqualified anymore. No, 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 not at all. Um, now, now, why would these guys do that? Why would they take those jobs? A, because I don't, I don't know if the phone was ringing with anybody else to offer them another job. That's that's probably situation A. But also B, I think if one of them does really well and wins over the fan base in Oxford, but for some reason the team doesn't do well, I think they're the first people to get interviewed for the job. Because I do think when Matt Luke is gone, I think they will clean house completely of everyone that was there from the past. Yeah. And so so they would say, Rich Rod or Mike, th- this is this is your show. You're you now the, the head you guy. You're now the head guy. Everybody else is gone. Hire whoever you need to hire and and now we rebuild. Um hmm. and, and I don't know that either one of those guys are the right guys to to make that I just think if I'm them, the reason I take that job is it's easier to get a job while you have a job. And yeah. and or if you do a great job, Somebody else comes calling. If West Virginia bumbles this next hire in the next two years and Rich Rod does well at Ole Miss, then I could I could easily see him maybe going home. I mean, I don't know. Did he burn enough bridges when he left there for Michigan? I don't know the answer to that. I doubt that. But doubt but you that. see what I'm saying? Like like it wouldn't shock me. Um so so you do a good you, you gotta take a job just to, to, to build your resume to show people, hey, I haven't lost my touch. Yeah. No, okay, I'm with you. Uh, you you brought up West Virginia. We'll we'll circle to that by going the route of Major Applewhite was fired at Houston. Uh, he I got guess I'm working to, under the assumption that this has happened. This has not, and this is it, kind of it, yeah, it rumor and speculation. Yet. So the West uh, Virginia job is not open as of we talking. we are recording on New Year's Eve. Dana Holgerson's buyout goes down by what two point five million dollars uh, after today. That's what like say. tomorrow. Tomorrow. So. Um, so Major Applewhite fired at Houston uh, a couple of years ago. The Houston president came out at one of their holiday parties and said, "Success has been defined at Houston as ten and two. We fire coaches for eight and four seasons." Yeah. And Major went what seven and five last year, eight and four this year. Ended up like and just got embarrassed at a bowl game. Yeah, 70 I mean, to 14, I mean, yeah. something fierce yes. like just just set set records for for how bad you got beat. Now what's funny is by you, an all, by 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 an army team that hadn't put up a lot of points against a lot of people. They had no. a good offense. They were very efficient. Yeah. They dropped they, 60 on anybody. Well, they so they beat what like San Jose State oh. 52 to 3 <laughs> or something, but they they hadn't beaten right. anybody hey, 70 to 14. They they hadn't scored 60 on anybody. And you yeah. just went into to Houston and well in a bowl game situation and that, that was, was that was as one sided as you could ever get. Yeah, it was it was really really bad. They scored I, fourteen of those points after about forty of the other points were already scored. So I'm I'm curious if 
some of this had to do with Applewhite and his relationship with his star player. Yep. Ed Oliver. Yep. The other side of this is I'm surprised Applewhite wasn't fired on the sidelines. How you got you, you to keep your your highest rated recruit. How do you recruit happy. the next Ed Oliver? If if you're the next Ed Oliver, if you're the next big time guy, and you're being courted by Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama, how do you convince him to come to Houston? And you say, "Oh, we're going to treat you like a god." I'm like that guy got got kind of embarrassed on national TV. Yeah. No, 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 no. You as the administration comes down and you tell the next Ed Oliver. That will never happen again under my watch. <laughs> because we got this guy this gone. This guy gone. He's not even coming out for halftime. We're going to let Ed come out with his jacket, and, and that guy can just – he's Applewhite's out. Houston is a – so Pete Thamel wrote an interesting article that I think verbatim called the Houston Athletic Department a clown show. Uh, because they are they were letting Applewhite kind of flutter in the wind. Like everybody kind of knew that he was going to get fired. Uh, but they were waiting around for Dana Holgerson at West Virginia for his buyout to drop today. And tomorrow they would save $2.5 million by buying him out and bringing him from West Virginia to Houston. He's a former Houston offensive coordinator, put up big numbers under Kevin Sumlin, I believe, yep. uh, and then went to Oklahoma State and then West, West Virginia, Virginia. Head, uh, head coach. And da, 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 da. Um, I think – so the major Applewhite thing was, was – doomed to fail from the very beginning you and i said that we Correct. didn't like the hire but houston had gotten tired of being the the stepping, stepping stone. stone yeah the the jumping off point because kevin sumlin and herman. Uh, uh, uh tom herman who who was the one before someone though art browse art browse um all it. these guys that that jump up to the next level once they they all get here and houston thought well it's not these guys it's us so we can just hire anybody. And that is very obviously not the case. You got to have the right guy. Uh, this was bungled from the beginning, and they put a coach in. They're going to have to pay Applewhite pretty good. So let me, let me ask you a but, question. But, let's but not let's get much. back to Pete. Let's get back to Pete Thamel's argue, ar, uh, article. And what do you think about the athletic department kind of letting him flutter in the wind, whatever? And. And then waiting till today or tomorrow to to go after Dana. I am okay with waiting to go after Dana. I think the moment that it becomes public knowledge that that Applewhite's going to be fired, you have to do it then. You cannot let this guy just sit for like a week because it had been like a week. You know, we everybody knew forever. It you got to cut bait then, like and and then go through quote coaching searches and and whatever. but if if you were going to make that kind of play, the reason that they call him a clown show is the AD is the emptiest AD in the country because uh, Mr. Fertitta, who owns the Houston Rockets, runs that athletic department. He throws in all of his money, and he makes the calls. He's the one that got Kelvin Sampson hired for the basketball program. He was going to try and keep Herman. Now, his pockets are not as deep as... Texas. Texas. All, all of the state of Texas. But but they were going to offer Herman like $5 million a I'm year, not. which is absurd for a group of five schools. So Memphis was going to do it with Cal. Uh, yeah. I mean, it went, once you got boosters that big, and, and if you're winning at that level, 
I mean, it makes sense. So, so here's here's my thought, my opinion on it. And, and I know this is very unpopular. If I was ever in an athletic director's chair, I would be very open and honest with my coaches, especially the head coach. We would have a good working relationship, but I would let him know. You could, regardless of what your buyout is, you can walk out that door in any minute and leave me twisted in the wind. Because if you choose to walk out that door and somebody pays that buyout, somebody's willing to pay that buyout. Yeah. The, the money doesn't, if you're a big-time athletic department, the money doesn't fix my problem. Like Temple, they're about to get $6.5 million for two coaches over the next, you know, whatever year. Like yeah. That fixes a lot of problems at Temple. But see, you're Houston. You're already at that big money level. The money doesn't solve your problem. Yeah. So I don't, I don't care about the buyout. We're going to have a very open, honest relationship. I'm happy with you. You are going nowhere. Every year, I am going to be meeting with athletic uh, with with agents to find out who's interested in this job. Yeah, I'm not looking for your replacement to fire you. You have to trust me on that. What I'm doing is making sure if you decide to walk out that door, I'm prepared for it. Yeah. Now, you have a couple of seven four seasons. I'm going to be very. I, I would have been honest. Then I will be looking for but, your replacement. But your replacement. But you would have. I would be honest with you on that. And I'll tell you this: if I have no problems. This might be an awkward conversation, and most people would disagree with this. I would have no problem telling Apple White, we're not satisfied. If we can improve, we're going to improve. Do you want to stay here? Because if you want to stay here, you can sit in that chair, and if I find somebody better, then we're going to have a hard conversation. If I don't, it's yours. Now, once the season starts, and once I've made my decision of if we're staying pat, then it's yours and you have my full support. But we're not. Ha- you need to know we're not happy with seven and five or whatever, and and we are looking for the next replacement or looking for you to improve. Yeah, I would be very honest about that. But but if I'm an athletic director, I am talking to every agent out there constantly, seeing who's interested in my job, because I need to know if Tom Herbin picks up the phone and says oh, I'm going to Texas, if if Art Bryles picks up the phone and says Oh, I'm going to Baylor. I need to not be caught with my pants down. Yeah. I need not be scattering for a coach, and that's how I end up with Major Applewhite. That's that's a fantastic idea. Now, like, if, I like the way that now, you're talking now about your big that. boy coaches, like your guys like Saban and Dabo and, and Urban and, 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 and Harbaugh, like you're never going to get those guys yeah. because they're not going to agree to that. They're just not going to be okay with you constantly. Look. But like if you're Saban and you're Alabama's athletic like department guy – you he has to like I'm not firing you, but man you I don't know that you you tell me every year you're not going anywhere. But we also you also make us not put a buyout in your contract. Yeah, I just have to be prepared. You you're prepared as a coach for every scenario. I have to be prepared for every scenario. Yeah. What happens if you stroke out on the sidelines and you just kill over? I have to be prepared for you. you get hit on your way here by a bus. Like I have to be ready. For all situations, I can't just get caught off and, guard. And the good ads are right. Oh, they, I don't think I don't even think the good ads are. I think they get lucky because I don't think any of these ads are doing that because I think they're so afraid of offending or hurting the coach they have. Oh, you so, can't talk about a job unless it's open. You know how the media just crushes people. Yeah, well, if no. the job's not open, you can't even. Why not? Well, we Alabama's ad Greg Greg Byrne has has spoken openly about you know. Saban is is here and he is ours as long as he will he be wants here to be. and and et cetera. But he's already he's got a list. Yeah, and he's had a list from day one that is just 
in his desk drawer. In, in every six months, and, I, need and, to, I need to talk to those people's agents. I don't need to talk to them specifically. No, just talk to the agents. I just need to communicate with their agents. Yeah. Are they still maybe possibly interested in this? Yep. And then if you're Alabama, it's easy to do because you pick up the phone and call anybody and everybody would be fighting and clamoring to get Which that job. Which is why the Ohio State thing was still kind of weird, right? If the Ryan Day yeah. hire. If you're, if you're Houston, you need to be a little bit better prepared. Um, so I, I really don't have an issue with them kind of letting him twist in the wind, I guess, and, and whatever. I'm very interested in this. If this happens, Dana Holgerson takes this job, this will be the first – successful power five coach to willingly step down and go to a group of five school, which tells me I'm on to something in that the American is, is not far away. I think the other coaches around the country see the American is not far off from yeah. being a power five school. I think you're a power right. five level at some point in time, we're going to have to classify it as something different than P five G five. Because I, I well, think, the AAC calls it P six. I know that, like but, power but, six. but I actually, I think, man, I think, I think you should, might be right. Like, I mean, I told you from the get go, I don't see the American being much worse than the AACC this year, and outside of Clemson and the Big Twelve outside of Texas and Oklahoma. Like, I just no, don't. you. I mean, you might be right. You the Pac twelve? Who scares you there? You don't I mean, maybe UC- Oregon next year? You don't, But I'm talking about this year, right this now. Year, no, like, not, you don't think nobody. UCF, Memphis, South Florida, Temple, Cincinnati? Well, Houston, I'll, t- I'll like, tell you, you this. Those like teams it, can score on those other schools? No, they can. but They're not going to stop know. anybody, but they play Big 12 no, defense. The, nobody the, stops anybody. The AAC in the bowl season has not lived up to expectations. Don't give me, I don't care. Uh, those are but exhibition games know, that do know, not matter. I know, but they are, they're still played, and it still sets a narrative, right? There's For whatever I know, reason. I know. We make a story um, out of something that we're just manufacturing. But yeah. That's, well, last year the big narrative was the uh, Big Ten went 8-1 yeah, against the That's right, and that know, made them the, the, bowl best, the best conference in football. Yeah. And now and, they can't get somebody in the playoffs. Yeah, it's just crazy. Crazy. Uh, did we ever talk about Urban Meyer? No. Retiring? No, I mean – we can hit on it quick. I mean, obviously, I think we've done it in passing and whatnot. But so he's gone. Meyer retires. They hire Ryan Day. Like immediate, they just pass Gave the torch. Job. Was that surprising to you? I mean, it's Ohio State. You can hire pretty much anybody you anybody want. you want. But they haven't in the past. I mean, they did the same thing when they lost Trestle. When they had to get rid of Trestle, they kind of did the same. They just promoted somebody from within. Well, and they did they for said, a year, but that I mean, that's because Trestle was fired in like May. Well, I, but I just think that's kind of the way they like to do things. I think I think they they've are got going something to, that's working. They've already got their network right. built. That's there. right. I think okay. I think they working under the assumption that if Day does successful and and the network stays fine, then great. And and if not, then they'll find they'll find the next Trestle. They'll find the next Urban. Yeah, they, I mean, they got Trestle from. Uh, what was it, Youngstown State? I mean, that's not where you would normally get a, a major coach for somebody like Ohio State. Um, all right, that's going to wrap up the uh, the show, the uh, college football show for today. Um, I get, We will be back, I'm sure, talking about whether or not Holgerson did take the job. If he doesn't take the job, that's uh, going to be interesting for Houston. Uh, but I'm sure they'll find somebody interesting and – uh, we're not going to talk again until after the uh, national championship, are we? Nope. Whew. All right. Well, um, wow. Lots of coaching stuff. We'll talk more next week. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter, at winningcures. You can follow myself, 
at Gary WCE. You can follow me at Chris B Giannini, C H R I S B G I A N N I N I. You can also email the show that's winning cures everything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line. That number is 551 226 9899. If you want to call and bash us for talking bad about your favorite team or praise us or just tell us about how awesome your team is doing, leave us a voicemail. That number again is 551-226-9899, and we may toss it on the show. Thank you for supporting this show, and until next time, have a good one, guys. Hey, don't forget, subscribe to the Winning Cures Everything podcast on iTunes and make sure you leave a review. For every 25 written five-star reviews we get on iTunes, we are donating to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and Le Bonheur's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. So subscribe and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all your favorite podcast apps. Remember, the Winning Cures Everything podcast.